A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T. Hello, 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 and welcome to PQRST, Parody Quips, Rants, and Storytelling. You may be able to tell if you are a sharp-eared listener that uh, there's a little more noise, perhaps, than usual. I am, it's busy season, and I am recording a podcast episode even as I am making school deliveries, so that means I'm in the car. No worries, I'm using a hands-free device, and most of my attention is on the road, sufficient unto the day. And uh, I talk to myself while I drive all the time anyway, so I figured why not record a podcast episode and uh, multitask. So here you are. Thank you for joining me on the trip. Lots to talk about today. Parody, quips, rants, and storytelling. Lots of stories to tell. And all of them have happened just in the past seven days. It's been quite a week. Now, if you tuned in because you want to hear more from The Kid, my baseball story, God bless you for doing that. And uh, two weeks from now, hopefully you will be able to, but not today. I've got stories enough to fill the hour. And three of the four major topics to discuss are actually related to show business. So ties back into why we're doing this podcast in the first place. Is that awesome? I think it is. So... First of all, the first story that really doesn't have much of anything to do with show business, but hopefully will be interesting. I'm going to tell on myself. I'm very, very proud of myself. I'm also something of an idiot, at least in terms of the story I'm about to tell. I really love bicycling. Uh, Riding my bicycle. Since I learned how as a kid, it's been just a wonderful thing. Even when I get on the motorcycle, there's a relation. Uh, the motorcycling's, you know, simpler. Well, with the engine and all, I don't have to put so much effort in. But it's still about freedom. It's about getting away. And when I was a kid, man, I would bicycle all over the place. So now that once the weather warms up, I am a big fan of getting the bike out and going. But now that I am a father, uh, I kind of have to go get a ride in before my wife and kid wake up or after Tiffany comes home, or at least that's the way it used to be. The weather has recently warmed up, not that you can prove it by the 34 degrees we're having today in the middle of May, but recently, last week, there was some warm weather up through Wednesday, in fact, today's Friday, and my wife got me a fantastic early Father's Day present of a carrier. I can put my beloved son in the carrier, attach the carrier to the bike, and away we go. And so that has been fun. We've had a couple rides. He seems to enjoy it. But another gift she gave me uh, is that she and he are currently in Minnesota. She took the kid away from me and because she's attending a conference and because her parents were available to watch the child. And she thought, why not give Will some uh, time to himself during busy season? And God bless her for it. I'm making good use of it. But I realized, uh, especially, I was going to have a really long motorcycle ride yesterday when it was also, as it turned out, 37 degrees and snowing, so that didn't happen. But the weather held out long enough Wednesday that I was able to get a ride in. And uh, there's this thing. If you live in Colorado, you should know about this. There is this 71-mile thing called the Highline Canal Trail. And the Highline Canal Trail is absolutely fabulous. I have heard that Denver's bicycle trails are among the 10 best in the nation, and I can believe it. We have some fantastic trails, and the Highline Canal Trail is a big part of that. It starts down in Waterton Canyon by the Chatfield Reservoir and goes its winding route along, as you can imagine, the Highline Canal, all the way up to a golf course in Aurora, 71 miles, and outside of the fact that it crosses a fair number of streets, uh, orchard and 
It goes under Bellevue. It goes under I-25, glory to God. But there are a lot of streets where you have to kind of stop and hope that people will uh, acknowledge the whole pedestrian or bicyclist in the crossing walk. Um, besides that, it's just there's there's no traffic to worry about. Occasional horses, some pedestrians. And if you do like I did and go on a weekday, I did miles and miles of the trail, and I think I averaged one or two people per mile. There was nobody out there, which was good for most of it. So, uh, And I happened to live within about, golly, half a mile, maybe less, of the Highland Canal Trail. So I thought to myself, self, why not do like we used to do when we were a kid um, and get on the bike and just go? And I kind of, because I'm, you know, a little more grown up and I, I need goals, I set myself the goal of getting to Del Mar Park, which is in Aurora, because I have passed Del Mar Park on 6th and seen the sign that says, this way to the Highline Canal Trail. I'm like, you're kidding me. The trail is all the way out here? So I was like, that would be cool to get to. Now, Google Maps said that if I took my bicycle from my house to Del Mar Park, it would be 17 miles. Google Maps did not stay on the Highline Canal Trail, and I couldn't figure out a way to make it do so. And if I had, I might not have tried to get all the way to the Del Mar Park because, as point of fact, and I can say this from very, very personal experience, it's more like 22 and a half miles to take the Highline Canal Trail all the way from where I can pick it up near my house to Del Mar Park. And, uh, just for fun, I also could not get started on my ride until like 3.47 in the afternoon which is way too late to start a 45-mile bicycle ride, I found out. Um, let me back up. The most I have ever ridden my bike that I'm aware of in a single day was about 20 miles, and it was about 20 years ago. I, a couple of times when I used to work at the TV station back in the late 90s, I rode the bicycle to work and arrived all sweaty and gross and uh, then had a couple hours of being at work and then rode home. 20 miles total, and thought that that was a pretty good... Uh, pretty good experience, and I, I suppose it was. So to set off at 38 and change years of age at three something in the afternoon and say, well, I'm going to go 22 miles in this direction was foolish. Now, the things that didn't make it foolish, um, I did have a phone with me just in case, um, and there were options. So if I just couldn't make the bicycling thing work on the way home, I could have picked up light rail, I could have called for an Uber or a Lyft, assuming you can get those with you know, there's people with bicycle racks available. Um, I could have even cut the miles shorter by taking streets instead of the trail. Although then you've got, oh man, is he going to see me? Is he going to run me over? What's the deal? So uh, I'm glad that I stayed on the trail. But the other thing that I did that was that made a lot of sense, just worked out. The weather was just about perfect for 40 of the 45 miles. Started out about 65 degrees by the time I got home. Uh, well, I'll tell you about the last five miles. It was only about 58. Nicely cloud cover. Uh, didn't get sunburned. Didn't get a lot of wind. I mean, the weather could not have been better. And I had an interesting book on tape to listen to. And I made it to Del Mar Park. In fact, when I stopped at Expo Park to look and see, and it was only two more miles to my destination, I'm like, you know what? Shoot, what's four more miles? I was smart enough to know, listen, if you go two, that means you're going to add four. I was like, all right, we'll make it. We'll make it. And I made it, and I had uh, dinner at the Burger King I knew would be there. That was the goal that I set. And then it was time. And it, like I said earlier, um, the most I've ever done was 20 miles, and it was 10 miles, several hours break, and 10 more miles. Now, this time I did 11 or 12, gave myself like five minutes. I don't think it was even that long because when I'm on the road, I want to be on the road. And then did the other half of 
22 and a half miles, so another, another 10, another 11. Um, so I've done 22 plus miles. I stopped to eat for about 20 minutes, and then it's like, I need to get going. Because by then, it was after 5 in the evening. Now, I started late 3, uh, yeah, getting on towards 6 at night. And I know the sun is going down. I know that weather is supposed to be moving in, which it did. So it's like, you've got to get back out there if you're going to get home. And so I jump back out to get home. And that's the part where I'm an idiot. I really went significantly farther than I should have. And the ride back started to hurt. And uh, I tried changing positions as often as I could. Uh, gave myself kind of another... A walking break halfway home. I, I try not to stop because if I just stop and sit down or lie down, I'm not going to want to get up again. But uh, got off the bike and walked for a bit. And also when I crossed under Bellevue and got back to the okay, there's just a couple of miles left, uh, another walking break. But the last five were really horrible. The sun was just about down. And you couldn't tell even if it wasn't because the clouds had moved in. It was raining. There was lightning on the horizon. Um, didn't get to where I was really cold, but being soaking wet, it's not fun on a bike. Being out on a trail by yourself in the twilight is not smart for a number of reasons. And and it was just, I'm hurting. Just Oh, I gave everything I had. It took all the energy I had plus another few percent I didn't have that I pulled from someone else somewhere, uh, you know, metaphysically, just to get to my back door. And uh, so I'll go on record as saying that the last... Going the last two miles to where the Burger King was and adding four to the trip, that was stupid. And arguably starting the whole thing and going that far at 3.39, whatever it was in the evening, was also stupid. But I am super proud of myself. Um, 38 years old and closer to 39 than to turning 38. And I biked more miles Wednesday, significantly more than years I have on this earth. And I, the last time I did that, as I put on Facebook, I was in my teens. Um, and a lot of those miles were just, I need to get home, and I'm, by thunder, going to get home. And so a lot of strength of will involved. And uh, although the last five were absolutely horrible, and the 15 before that weren't the best I've ever had, I'm glad I went. And most of the journey was truly fantastic. It was a great trail, and I had a good time and definitely got some exercise. And anyway, I'm proud of me. And uh, figure if you're listening to this podcast, you care that I'm proud of me. So that's one story down. Uh, now then, show business stories. Well, one way I can kind of encapsulate the three main things from this past week. I've had three shoots since last Friday, and today is Friday, so it's a week now. And while it's not unknown, it is rare for me to be on site at a school or dance recital or what have you and be watching the clock and kind of mentally stamping my foot going, come on, come on, because I'm late for something else. The last three shoots, all three of them have had that experience. All three shoots, I'm sitting there, grr, gritting my teeth, just wishing things would go faster because I'm late for something. And all three of those things have to do with show business. So last night's was the most recent. Uh, and I'll tell this one quick because I have a delivery coming up. And I will stop the recording as I stop to make the delivery. I had the opportunity to, once again, like last year, record some voiceover work for Vacation Bible School. Uh, Waterstone Community Church is doing a puppet show again. And last night we recorded the script for the puppet show. Um, I only got to do two voices instead of the, I think, five I did last year. And uh, one of them was a very low-voiced 
stink bug. And the other was uh, a little higher, and that was interesting because the two voices were not as far apart as I, I would have liked, and that's on me. I could have read the script ahead of time and realized just how much one character had to say and pushed that voice a little farther away. But what I knew about him was that on the first page, he's announcing a bug parade. And so I got in my head, what's an announcer for a Thanksgiving parade going to sound like? What I didn't realize is that this voice was very uh, much a part of the entire four days of script that we were recording. And so it got a little weird. But I got to record two voices, uh, and they waited for me, which that always honors me when people are willing to do that. Um, They really wanted me to be a part of the recording. And so even though because the concert that should not have taken more than 45 minutes somehow took an hour and 15, and therefore I showed up 20 minutes late, they waited for me, and nobody seemed upset, and, uh, and we had a good recording. And I got, to, uh, I got to do the voice of a praying mantis, a praying mantis uh, parade announcer, and also a stink bug. And that was, it's always a fun, it's fun to be included, it's fun to be wanted, it's fun for people to be willing to uh, arrange their schedule to suit yours. And I hate when people have to do that, but they did. And kudos to uh, Elsa and Rick and Bethany and Claire, who I got to do recording with, and Janelle, who made the recording. And uh, I think the, the kids are going to enjoy VBS. I hope they will. Um, I'm not only I'm not only one of the voices in the two, excuse me, of the voices for the puppet show. Um, I'm also in one of the videos that's going to play, which we recorded yesterday or not Wednesday. That's why I was so late starting the bicycle ride is because of uh, VBS video recording, and I'm going to be doing video recordings for a couple of the other days, as I've done in many years past. And I'm also uh, storytelling on Wednesday during VBS, I get to tell the story of Gideon. So, very much involved with VBS, and uh, so you know, there's one show business story related to one of the three things that come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Why is this shoot not finished? And uh, I got to pop into a middle school here to make a delivery. But as soon as that's done, I'll tell you uh, the next story that you get to hear. Aren't you lucky? I think you are. All right, I'm back, part two of the podcast. And uh, you wouldn't know it because I could take as long or as little as I want, but that was very quick. And uh, boy, I love it when elementary or middle or high school folks leave checks with the office and then I can leave DVDs at the office and I don't have to chase the music teacher around the school. It's fantastic. Um, And also, I have probably said this on the podcast, but for the record, and I don't think I've said it here in a while, I am so incredibly blessed that I get to make videos for a living. Uh, During busy seasons, sometimes I get like, oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do 12 other things, and I forget occasionally, but it still amazes me, 15 plus years into this, that people give me money to do this. Um, And I'm not saying that because I don't do it well. I, I like to think I do a pretty darn good job, but just amazes me that I get to make a living doing something that I get so much enjoyment out of. If, if you're not in that place, um, what could you do? What would you love to get paid to do? Can you find a way? Uh, not everybody can, and I understand that, but have you looked? Have you tried? Have you tried lately? Um, my leadership gift is encouragement. May I, if I may, occur, encourage you, or even encourage you, in case that's a thing, um, find a way to do what you love. Um, and uh, I, I think... God likes people being able to do that, and I think he promotes that. I I think he tries to make it easy. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ear, as I often do, but 
God's not against that. I, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say. Why don't I move on? <laughs> For those of you still listening, the second of the three, man, I got to get out of here. I've got something going on. I'm late. Was last Friday. I'm gonna jump around and go back to last Friday. I was down in Castle Rock. And, oh, I showed up to film a show and was really praying that it was just a 30-minute show, as most of them are. And looked and saw we were filming Willy Wonka Jr. And I was like, oh, phooey. Uh, and nothing against Willy Wonka Jr. Nor the fact that I was filming at that school. Because uh, they're a new one, a new client. And happy to be on board. But when it's 6.30 in Castle Rock. And I'm hoping to be downtown as close to 7 as possible. And I guess the show started at 6. And it turns out it's a show that's going to be well over an hour. It's like, oh, phooey. So why did I want to be down by 7, you may well be asking. And also, why did I start off this podcast rickrolling you? Uh, Well, I like the Rick Astley song much more than I do Hello by Adele. Uh, Story about that in a moment. But specifically, the Rick Astley song, well, it featured fairly heavily in my my, uh, day, in the 24 hours that I spent last Friday night. Because last Friday into Saturday, there was a thing in Denver called Questival. Questival, put on by the Cotopaxi Company, which is apparently also the name of a llama, or should be, because they have llama logos like on everything that they sell. Cotopaxi, uh, it's, uh, they sell stuff like you find at REI, Outdoor Adventure Gear, and that's the most that I know about them, except that their bags are nice. I like them. I was carrying one around for 24 hours, not you know continually, but had it on for a lot of that, and uh, it was a comfortable bag. Why was I carrying a bag by some outdoor outfitter, you might ask, for 24 hours? So roughly a month ago, my friend Jonathan Fast, uh, who comes up with the best ideas, and if he says, hey, do you want to, I almost always, if it's at all possible, I say yes, whatever the end of the sentence is, because he has fantastic ideas, whether it's serving people or incredible gastronomic experiences or just, you know, you know that guy or gal in your life who they're always having adventures, they know the secret places, they just know things and... Well, he's the one who knows things, and I've got several of those, but he's definitely at the top of that heap, and if he says, hey, do you want to, I say yes, if at all possible. And so he said, hey, do you want to do a 24-hour scavenger hunt in Denver? And my first thought was, boy, I wish I could, but there's no way, because it's busy season, and I have a kid to take care of and raise, and, you know, just no way. Fortunately, I didn't write that on the Facebook post because I took some time and I thought about it because it's Jonathan asking. It will be an experience. And I checked with my wife and she said, you know what, I can watch Isaac all Saturday if you really want to do this. And I wrote back on Facebook and said, I'm in. And hoped that Jonathan would be able to find some more people that were in because it sounded like a two-man team really wasn't going to get it done. And now that I've had the experience of Questable, a two-man team definitely would not have gotten it done. It's one of those things that the absolute minimum is probably three people and the more the merrier up to about, I don't know, eight to ten. So I said yes and uh, vaguely thought about it. Uh, All I knew was that it started seven o'clock May 11th, whatever last Friday night was, and ended 7 o'clock May 12th, and as I've er stated earlier on this podcast episode, I'm 38, and uh, so I don't want to stay up for 24 hours. I looked at the frequently asked questions on the uh, Questable website, and one of the things they said was, hey, we really encourage you to sleep between 1 and 5, and that was encouraging. Um, I try to be up for anything in these sorts of situations, more on that later, but 
24 hours without any sleep is is not something I voluntarily want to do in this day and age. I, I don't know that there's a lot of people, even in your, well, I'll, I should just speak for myself, even in my late teens, early 20s, I didn't want to be up for no 24 hours. Um, I don't care what we were doing. I guess I can remember a rockathon, as in rocking chairs and earning money, and you had to keep rocking, and I was third grade, so that makes me eight, maybe nine, and uh, there were video games involved, it was the first time I had really gotten my hands on the Nintendo Entertainment System, Um, and there were also some movies, I don't know if I even bothered watching the movies because I was up all night playing video games, and I don't know if even that was 24 hours, it was an up all night kind of experience, Um, and you had to keep rocking, so if you were going to sleep, you had to enlist one of the other rockers or an assistant to rock you while you were asleep, and so... Then I was up for a long period of time, and I guess there was a lock-in in, in uh, aren't these stories fascinating, <laughs> in my youth group years, late high school, but even then I think I caught some sleep. What I'm saying is uh, I don't want to be up for no 24 hours, and I was very glad to hear that the, the Questable people encourage a little bit of sleep. Um, they can't, they said, we can't stop you from completing challenges from 1 to 5 a.m., but we're not accepting, nobody gets any points in those hours. And I am sure there were teams, probably the top ten teams did this, that were getting challenges done in those four hours and then just uploading them um, as soon as the server was back on. But can't speak to that. So what is Questival? Well, it's a very, very clever scavenger hunt slash social media event that is, I would say, a thinly disguised attempt to market Cotopaxi gear, but there's no disguise. It was absolutely a marketing Event for Cotopaxi, but I will not call it a ploy. I won't call it a scheme. No, in my opinion, nobody was cheated or or taken advantage of. Um, I paid forty bucks for the chance to be on a team and in, uh, endure Questable and, and uh, enjoy Questable. Uh, and for my forty bucks, I got a bag that's worth fifty dollars. So right there, um, I'm already ahead of the game, and I got the chance to have an incredible adventure for that 40 bucks. I I definitely got my money's worth, as did Cotopaxi, who are getting, I'm saying their name over and over again right now, and there were thousands of us combing the uh, Denver, Boulder area and surrounding environments, basically all over Colorado. All over is a bit of an exaggeration, but in quite a few places in Colorado, thousands of us wearing Cotopaxi products and showing off, hey, look at what what we got going on here. And so... Uh, Cotopaxi did all right by us, but we did all right by Cotopaxi, and I, I, I will try to stop saying their name, I promise. So, kudos to them. They put on a fantastic, fantastic day, and the way that it works is, and they, they've put these on, like, all over the place. As I looked in the website, uh, there's, like, 30 or 40 of them that go on every year, and I'm definitely in for the next one. Jonathan, if you're listening. Um, you have all these challenges that you can do, whether it's take a photo of your team at this hard-to-find mural, or take a photo of someone who has the same middle name as you. Find someone with the same middle name as a member of your team, get your licenses out, take a photo. That's worth points. A lot of 15-second video things, like pretend to be a flock of seagulls, do a 15-second video. There's points. Challenge someone you don't know who's not part of Questable to a dance-off for 15 seconds. Take a video, upload the video. So you get points by uploading photos and videos. 
and you're supposed to be wearing the uh, Questable bags from the company I'm trying not to name anymore um, in the photos and videos, as well as they give you a totem. Uh, we all had a, a handkerchief-sized swatch of nylon. It said, do good on it, which I'm assuming is a slogan for the name of the company. And that was supposed to be in the pictures, uh, which makes perfect sense. That way nobody can, you know... Get the, the, the quests, the challenges, were released... 24 hours before we actually could start earning the points. But you had to have the totem, and you didn't get that until the 7 p.m. Friday thing. So you could make a list of challenges you wanted to complete, but unless you were really good at photoshopping, there was no point in taking photos or videos ahead of time because you didn't have the totem, and without the totem, you don't get the points. So it was very well put on, um, very well attended. Uh, that's not the word I'm searching for, but that is true. There were more than 700 teams, and if each team averaged, say, four people, that's... And I imagine there's probably an average of more than that. Somewhere between two and 3,000 people competing uh, in Questable. And the challenges were well laid out. There was an emphasis on, on being safe, on enjoying the city around you, on engaging people you don't know, but in a fun way. Um, there were not challenges like pretend to pick a stranger's nose or, you know, see if you can knock someone down and then run away. It, it was challenge someone to a dance-off, but you're having fun, or a jump rope-off, or compliment a stranger in a foreign language, hold the door open for someone and compliment them. Um, there were challenges picking up trash, a lot of social or environmentally friendly challenges. Uh, and then there was, you know, the sort of things you would expect with the scavenger hunt. I got to enjoy a, a mouth brimming full of mustard, and we got points for that. Uh, the other guys on the team ate a, a spoonful of blue cheese, and then saying, I'm blue, die, boo, dee, die, boo, die. We got points for that. A lot of silly things, too. But things that were fun to do as a team, things that were safe. Uh, the, the website, the frequently asked questions, they encourage people not to do things that are illegal. Um, all the challenges that involved other people, they're like, you know, have fun with this. Don't screw with folks. Don't, you know, respect. And that's, you know what? That's the word. It's a word, if you've been listening to these podcasts before, you've probably heard me say, very hugely important to me. And it seems to be pretty important to the questable people. Respect the environment around you. Respect the people that are around you. Not everyone is understanding what's going on. You know, respect that. Leave people be if they're not interested. Don't badger anyone. Anyway, they made it. They did everything they could to make it a great experience. And the teammates I had, not only Jonathan Fast, but also Tim and Mark and Stephen, well, they made it a great experience, too. And I've already gone on for quite some time about Questable. How much further am I going to go? Well, we did over 200 challenges. And you're going to hear about all of them. No, I'm kidding. Don't turn the thing off. I, I made a top ten list of stories from Questable. And the start, the, the arrival itself, by jumping into uh, Questable, <laughs> by um, connecting with my team and getting started, is the first story. Because, as I said, I was in Castle Rock. This thing kicked off at 7. I was filming until about 7.15. And I was still in Castle Rock when we were done. So, obviously, I was late. And... If I get the chance to do Questable again next year, I'm going to do something different because there was a team meeting Thursday night that I couldn't make either because I was filming, and the list of challenges was released. I, I did not connect with my team at all uh, outside of the fact that Jonathan, whom I've known for whew, 15 years, longer than I've had the business, uh, about the same amount of time, whatever, 
Besides him, the other three guys I've never met. The only thing I know about them is that they're Jonathan's friends, which is plenty enough for me um, to know that they're great guys. But since I couldn't make the team meeting, since I was going to be late for the start, I figured, knowing me, rather than look at the list of challenges and start picking and choosing, start trying to figure out, okay, what am I willing to do? I was like, I'm not going to look at the list of challenges at all. Instead, I'm going to try to arrive with the attitude of whatever is going on, whatever the challenge is, I'm in. 100% in. A, a yes and mindset for uh, the improvers among us. Because I know myself pretty well, and it's it's too easy for me to, to pick and choose and those sorts of things. Like, oh, I don't really want to do this. How can I avoid doing that? And I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know how we accomplished challenges. I mean, I really knew nothing outside of this is where things get started. This is when things get started. This is, these are your teammates' names. Um, very little information. So I did not know that because you're recording the challenges, one person on each team is doing the recording and is not in the challenge, whatever the challenge is. And there are plenty of challenges like the mouthful of mustard. I was the only one that did that. We got the points. Three other guys could have joined me and then one person film it, but, you know, only one of us needed to. Um, so nobody had to do everything. But that still would have left me way too much wiggle room to say, you know, start red marking things. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Oh, I definitely don't want to do that. Ooh, I'm definitely out of this. And there were moments in the 24 hours. Um, one that comes to mind is near the very end during the garlic challenge. I, I volunteered to film that one because I didn't uh, think much of the idea of eating a clove of garlic. And so the, the other four guys on the team, I filmed it. They did it. I'm not sorry I missed that one, but I did not do that a lot. There were not a lot of moments where I was like, ooh, anybody but me. Uh, hey, I'll film this one. I'll take the picture. <laughs> Don't include me. So I really wanted to jump into this going, I'm in. If we're bungee jumping, I'm in. We're eating a bug, I'm in, which one of our guys did. If we're bungee jumping, eating bugs, whatever it is, I'm on board. I'm ready to, to hit it. And I'm proud of myself for that attitude. That attitude was, was a little challenged because I didn't know whether or not my team could even get started. I, for all I knew, if I didn't show up by 8.30, we were all out of luck. The whole team, everything, get out of here, you know, you, you didn't all make it. And since I could make it by 8.30, and I was actually on site by about 8.03, um, I let some of that stress go while I was filming at Castle Rock, but I didn't know if everybody had to be present for the team to start completing challenges, which turned out, no, they didn't. They could start without me, which I was thankful to learn when I showed up. So there was some stress that I didn't need um, because I didn't have all the information. And when I finally raced down, I mean, when I say raced, I mean, uh, did the speed limit um, down to the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, found a parking space, learned that while I was getting downtown from Castle Rock, my team had started accomplishing challenges and had moved about a mile west of me to Commons Park. So the very first thing I get to do once I'm on site, I've paid it, let's go. I need to trot a mile to join my teammates who have gotten started. And so that's my first story is the arrival, the first mile of the 11 or 12 miles of walking I did, the team did, excuse me, in that 24 hours. Uh, maybe we, we all did 11 to 12 miles. It wasn't like two miles and a half per person. It, we, we all did them. It was really good for me um, to have that mile to collect myself because 
I was stressed that I was going to be late. I was I felt kind of bad for missing the team meeting. I didn't know if they could start doing challenges without me. I, I had very little information, and that stresses me out. And I was late, which is one of the worst. I hate being late. I would rather be five hours early than five minutes late. That's an exaggeration, but not by much. And so finding out, okay, they got started. Points are already being earned. I got to go a mile this way. But I don't know, you know, how much I'm holding them back, and, and I'd really like to join my team. So let's, you know, let's try to do the mile quickly. None of the team members asked me to, to run the mile or even trot it. That was something I put on myself, and I didn't run it. I've, I've never run a mile in my life, and I didn't start last Friday. But I did do about a 15-minute mile, and after a long day, I mean, I was up at 5.30 that day with Isaac, and there was filming, and there was editing, and it had been a long day, and it was about to be, it was about to continue to be a long day. Um... I, 15 minute mile was was pretty good if I do say so myself and while I was trotting down the uh, Cherry Creek Trail and trying to find the turnoff so that I could get to Commons Park and it turned out I knew where that was but I didn't know it by name I had the opportunity to decide what my attitude was going to be was I going to arrive bothered and and oh, why did I miss it you guys started without me or was I going to arrive hey I'm here. I'm so glad to be a part of this team. I am in for anything. I really had the opportunity to choose because it could have gone either way. And I am absolutely certain if I had arrived with a chip on my shoulder, with a bad attitude, feeling left out or whatever, that would have influenced the whole 24 hours or 23 hours that we had left. And who knows what would have happened. But I'm saying I, I did my part. I, I couldn't show up on time. I couldn't help for the first hour or, or do any of the pre-challenges. But when I showed up, I was ready to play. I had my game face on. And uh, I'm really glad that I did that. And these guys, let me tell you, Tim and Mark and Steven, fantastic human beings. Um, and uh, Tim and Mark, Steven is, uh, is roughly the same age as Jonathan and myself, by which I mean late 30s. Tim and Mark are early 20s. Uh, one of the two of them is going to school at Mines. They're, they're young, they're strong, and that's my second story is getting to watch these guys do their thing. Uh, one of the first things, that the challenges that happened, I filmed it, uh, Tim and Mark did it, was a two-person cartwheel, and not two people cartwheeling at the same time. No, no, it's one person grabs the other person, and basically it's all legs. Uh, you have your arms around your partner, and it's leg, 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 uh, to do a cartwheel. I've never seen it before. I figured it might take... They did it on the third try, I think. They had one or two attempts that didn't quite make it, and on the third try, away they went. Um, and, by the way, as far as this story and many of the others that I'm going to tell, if this interests you enough that you're like, I want to see that, there is a link to a video um, in the podcast description. Um, that's the nice thing about all of our challenges being either photographed or videotaped. Uh, I downloaded, with Stephen's help, thank you very much, sir, uh, downloaded all the videos and pictures and made a short video of what we did. Um, mainly the stuff that's visually interesting. It's, uh, it's about a five-minute video, whereas it could have been well over 35 to 40 minutes if I just used everything, because 15-minute videos add up when you do, like, 200 of them. Um, but, yeah, so, and the, the t- tandem cartwheel is one of the things featured in the five-minute video. So if you want to see what that looks like, click on the link. Um, Also featured on the video is Tim holding Mark on his shoulders so that Mark can walk on the ceiling. And again, I figured 
Well, that also took a couple of tries. I assumed that there would be several of us holding a team member up to the ceiling, although one of us had to videotape it, and somehow we had to keep the totem in the shot. But Tim just hoisted Mark up, and away they went. So, again, kudos to the strength of youth. Man, I tell you what, it was a thing to watch, and you can watch it if you click on the video. Um, I mentioned that the, the quest challenges, a lot of them involved strangers. One of the focuses of, you know, if you look at the challenges as a whole, one of the things I think they really wanted us as teams to do was engage with the people around us. And that's, as much as I have no problem getting on stage and telling jokes, um, which, you know, one person in a thousand is willing to do, being out in public and asking anything of a person I don't know, I hate bothering people. And it's it's not it's it's a, a wounded thing for me that um, I assume I'm going to be a bother. That's part of it, you know. If I have to ask somebody the time, if I I mean, going back to the the bicycling experience, while I was at Burger King for the 20 minutes, <laughs> one of the reasons I was there for 20 minutes and not 15 because I wanted to get back on the road. Um, well, a fellow Burger King patron asked me if I would watch his skateboard while I went to the bathroom. Never met before. I didn't even catch his name, but he's like, "Hey, would you mind?" I was like, "Sure." I didn't have any problem with that, even though it, it delayed me five minutes, and probably for the best. And yet I think if I have to ask somebody the time, or if I have to, hey, could you you know give me a hand real quick with something, I hate having to do that. I will come within inches of giving myself a hernia rather than ask anybody for help. It's a problem. I'm working on it. And Questival was a very good experience in terms of working on that problem because... I asked complete strangers what their middle name was, what their birthday was, looking for someone who had the same as a team member. Um, I got to compliment a complete stranger in a foreign accent. Uh, I actually was going, I was going to do my Irish accent, except the person that we found who was willing to take a compliment, uh, she was French, and so she spoke to me in a French accent, and so the French accent I do came right out of me, and that's on the video. If you care, you can see that. Um, I was... Me and three of my team members uh, helped a complete stranger do a trust fall. He'd never met us, but he was willing to turn around and fall into our arms. Um, I filmed Jonathan having a dance battle with a random person on the 16th Street Mall. And one of my favorite moments, um, and this again, this is in the first 15 minutes, maybe half hour of me joining my team, uh, Mark hugged a policeman for 15 seconds. The challenge was hug a stranger for 15 seconds. And we found a security officer, never did catch her name, I didn't, uh, the other guys might have, who was just fantastic, and she was like, sure. And that was, that was the thing. There were some people who didn't even want to you know, make eye contact, which I get, on the 16th Street Mall, especially if somebody's holding a clipboard, I'm going to pretend you don't exist because I don't want to be bothered. So, you know, we, we understand, and no harm, no foul. And there were some people who were willing to listen to us for five seconds. What? Scavenger hunt? Points? Yeah. And, but weren't interested. But for the most part, I'd say nine out of ten people that we talked to, certainly four out of five, if we said, hey, we're trying to do this thing, if they could do it, they did it. Dance battle? You bet. Compliment me? You bet. Uh, have a foot race? That's also on the video, as is the dance battle. You bet. If it was something they could physically do, even though they'd never met us, the fact that we asked nicely and they could get us points. And it's just good for me to realize that people are like that. Um, I assume the worst. I'm very judgmental and it's a problem and I'm working on it. Um, and I try not to bother people because I assume they're not going to be, not going to want to be bothered. But, you know, 
I should give people the benefit of the doubt more often. And uh, so that's Questival was very good for me in terms of that, in terms of just getting over myself a little bit. I'm at my uh, next delivery site, so I will be back in just a second. And I am back again for part three, part two of Questable Stories. And uh, in case you're keeping track, once again, the envelope was in the office, and I didn't have to chase a teacher down. So that's uh, with making friends. We have three of the top ten moments or stories of Questable. Uh, number four is two hours of sleep. So I managed to catch up with my team at. Uh, well, I got on site at 8 downtown. I managed to catch up with the team, oh, 8.15, 8.20, and immediately started doing challenge. In fact, the very first challenge that I took part in was just take a break and rest for five minutes and get a time-lapse video of you doing it. And I was like, I just trotted a mile. I'm absolutely on board with that. <laughs> um, but we, oh, we did the double cartwheel, and I got to come up with a stranger and all these things, um, and ended up in Aurora where... One of my teammates was house-sitting, and the house people that lived there were absolutely fantastic and let us crash, put sleeping bags down on the living room floor, and we stopped at Walmart around midnight or so, and Walmart at midnight is always fun, did uh, some more challenges and got some supplies for further challenges in the morning, and, uh, and then bedded down. And I would very much have liked to zonk out at 1 and still be zonked out at 5, and nobody had to get up earlier than that, but, and through nobody's fault, it just was how it was. After two hours, I was ready for more. And when I say ready for more, I don't mean sleep, I mean challenges. I was ready for more requestable, and that was too bad because there wasn't much I could do by myself, and uh, my phone that I had not plugged in was uh, was dying, couldn't even play Candy Crush or anything, just kind of had to sit around, and uh, oh, the last thing I wanted was one of those mornings where I'm awake, let's start thinking. In fact, it's it's all you listening, it's all y'all's fault. I started composing a podcast, thinking about stories I wanted to tell from the few hours we had already had, and couldn't get back to sleep. So, running on two hours of sleep is uh, the fourth thing. If you're going to do Questable, you're not going to get a lot of sleep, but that's part of the being all in. You know, I will I will sleep later today. It was my it was my philosophy quietly to myself, and it was a beautiful sunrise that uh, that came about five thirty that morning. And uh, story five of ten or, or experience five is as I said earlier, I wanted to just be in. I wanted to say whatever it is, yes, count me in. I will do it if I can. And getting by on two hours of sleep that was one of the ways that I'm in. Um, another thing I got to do was a mouthful of mustard. Uh, another thing, food things. I I enjoy eating. Um, whenever I watch Fear Factor, remember Fear Factor, right? It used to be a thing. Or reality shows. If I ever was to do a reality show, the eating challenges would be the ones that, you know, I'm not scared of a lot of things, except talking to strangers, as we established. But, yeah, I watch the challenges, like, I could do that, I could do that. Then they get to the eating ones, and I'm like, I am so glad I'm not on that show. And, you know, I was ready to be in, and I was in. I got to help eat a donut that was in one of my teammates' mouth. Not out of their mouth, baby bird style, but, you know, they held the donut, and we went in to grab bites of it. And that was, that was fairly intimate, 
considering I'd only met the guy a couple hours earlier, um, got to do a line of powdered sugar as though it was cocaine. And uh, that was it, much like the mustard one. That was one that when it came up, there was a chorus of, oh, no, oh, yeah, oh, oh. And I was like, sure, why not? It's powdered sugar. How bad can it be? Well, it wasn't fun, but it didn't burn uh, snorting that up my nose. It was just a little strange and... You know, I tasted powdered sugar for a few minutes. Uh, but uh, and the mustard one was another one that when that came up, hell, you have to have a mouthful of mustard to the brim, not just, you know, spoonful, but, you know, hold your breath and we're going to fill your mouth as full as it can and then you have to swallow it. It's just mustard. In fact, it was French's mustard. They said specifically it had to be French's. So it was not some really bizarre, really hot. Basically, I lucked out. Um, I would take the mustard challenge 20 times over rather than do the garlic challenge even once based on my teammates' reactions <laughs> to that later. Uh, but it was, when I say I'm in, I could tell 30 or 40 stories. And suffice to say, food challenges, I don't know. I ate paella. I, I, ate, I did the mustard thing. There, was, there were a lot of moments where it's like, absolutely, I will do that. And uh, food stuff, as well as talking to strangers definitely qualifies on the list of I'm proud of myself uh, story number six skater boy <laughs> this was oh there were hundreds of moments and if you watch the video and I encourage you to do so if you're listening to this you're obviously at least slightly interested um, the video will be fun for you the hundreds of moments that didn't get caught on video either because the camera started a second late or ended a second early or because it wasn't part of something we were filming, just a moment we had. You know, we got to, to talk to a bunch of people while we were doing challenges and lots of people were like, what's the deal with everybody? What's the deal with everybody going around? Um, there's a, I got to do my best Jerry Seinfeld impression, uh, side note, that's on the, the video. There were one of the moments that we didn't record because we weren't recording um, there was a challenge of giving flowers to yet another stranger. And it, we had had a, a bouquet of flowers with us for some hours at that point. I think we got it at Walmart um, around midnight. And at this point, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And we're on our way to a place in Boulder that has some graffiti to get a picture of the team against the graffiti wall. And in fact, add some graffiti of our own which uh, the regulars that attacked that wall must have really loved how probably some 40 or 50 or 100 Questival teams added their own graffiti. But while we were going to get that, we passed this skater park, and there's just this is one of those random things that happened. Um, there was a guy off to one side getting ready to start a trick, and, and one of my teammates said, hey, give him flowers. And so we asked, and he's like, sure, you can videotape me getting receiving flowers from you. And we gave him the flowers, and here's the cool part why I wrote it down. After we did the video, the, the skater suddenly realized, hey, wait, tomorrow's Mother's Day. We're like, yeah, that's why we gave you the flowers, so you can give them to your mom. And he was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> we made his day because he now had flowers to give his mother on the morrow. And I've, as far as I could tell, it was an absolutely genuine reaction. He was ecstatic about it. And that's one way, you know, Questival in a nutshell we gave that guy flowers to give his mom, and it totally rocked his world. And so that's story number six. Uh, story number seven is yet another moment of, you know what, I'm in. Um, if you're a fan of this podcast, if you're a regular, you know that uh, there's lots of things I will do on stage and have done. And especially, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's part of an improv thing or it's... Well, when I've gotten up, I, I have a stand-up 
show that was recorded where I wore, at different points on the show, I wore a Phantom of the Opera mask, I wore an Annie wig, and I brought those props with me, <clears throat> in addition to a couple others, just in case, you know, uh, well, there was a, a request from a team member before we, uh, the day before to say, hey, let's bring props so we can dress goofy for the photos, and if I had managed to make it for the beginning of everything, you know, we'd all... If we could, I could have met at Jonathan's house and then we all gone together maybe I would have been wearing an Annie wig the whole time we'll never know because I couldn't get there on time I was late but they knew I had an Annie wig and a 50s fedora and one of the challenges was recreate a memory from your childhood and this was not my idea um, but it was a good one and I, when I heard it I was like you bet I'm in uh, one of my team members that being Tim was like you know I'm willing to strip down to my boxers and get in Jonathan's sink. And you said you had an Annie wig? What if you put the wig on and you pretended to be bathing me? And Jonathan, or somebody wore the fedora, and he could be my dad and you could be my mom. And I'm like, absolutely, I will pretend to be a woman for three points. And so, and yes, as you might imagine, it's on the video. I, in my Annie wig, and Jonathan in his fedora, and my fedora, and... Tim in his altogether. Uh, he did have his, his uh, boxer shorts on, but we arranged the totem so that it looks like he got nothing on. He's in the sink, and I'm... Well, you have to watch the video, but it was definitely a moment of yes and. Um, and it's a little easier for me to jump into something involving, you know, showbiz, a costume, what have you, than, say, talking to a stranger, but still... Uh, not the sort of thing I find myself doing regularly on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, we, we earned those points. Uh, also on the video, you'll see a few uh, seconds of me jumping rope. And if any of my team members are listening, they're going right now, oh, I knew he was going to tell this story. I must admit, I was very proud of myself for being willing to jump rope for 15 seconds because any random moments in my life say, hey, jump rope for 15 seconds? Sure, I'll give a shot of it. But this was roughly 4.30 Saturday afternoon. So we had been going for some time and two hours of sleep and too much sun because I've forgotten my sunscreen in my car. And hey, do you want to jump rope with a stranger? We didn't even have jump ropes. We had to improvise using some, uh, some nylon cord. But and the other thing was, I hadn't actually jumped rope in probably 20 years. But you can see it on the video. I did okay by myself in challenging a stranger to a jump roping contest. Um, and the, the other thing that marked it as tell this story is it was kind of the, the moment for me when I realized I am pretty much out of gas here. I had been doing okay for, for a while, running around, taking video, doing stuff. But that 15 seconds after that, I was a little zoned out. Um, I, I'd used up probably 85 to 90 percent of my energy reserves in that 15 seconds because I really, I really, and it didn't matter. It wasn't like you have to beat the stranger before you get the points. If I had jumped, you know, jumped three times and and the stranger jumped 20, we still would have gotten the points. But hey, it's a competition, and my competitive streak came out. And it's like I was going to beat her, and I beat her. Paid the price for it, though. Uh, we're closing in on this is story number nine. Uh, man, again the. Uh, Mark and Tim and Stephen and Jonathan, well, I, well, Jonathan did impress me, but Jonathan I knew. Mark and Tim and Stephen I didn't know, and they did impress me. And one of the moments was, oh, mercy, it's on the video. I think all of the stories I'm telling are, because uh, these are all the stuff that's like, oh, you got to see this. 
One of the challenges, as I find myself saying over and over again, was to exchange shirts, no, exchange an article of clothing with a stranger who was not part of Questable. And Mark had a hat on, so and we were on 16th Street by then. By the way, we started off, the, the whole thing kicked off at Sculpture Garden, Denver Center Performing Arts, moved to Commons Park near Platte River, then we went to Aurora to sleep and get supplies. Then we got up and went to Jonathan's house downtown. We went to Boulder, Farmer's Market, back to Sloan's Lake, uh, up to Golden, and then finished off on 16th Street. So there's lots of things we experienced that I've not even gotten into. You can see some of them on the video. But we're back to 16th Street, and we're closing in on the last couple of challenges before, you know, we go home and get some sleep and take showers, both of which we all desperately needed. And there was a challenge about exchanging an article of clothing with a stranger who's not part of Questable. And Mark had a hat. And being on 16th Street, there were plenty of people to choose from. He thought, hey, why don't I ask one of the guys who rides around on the, uh, the bicycles? You know, gives the rickshaws. I don't know if they're called rickshaws, because when I see that, I envision a, a Chinese peasant running along the street pulling. These guys are still pulling people, but they have a bicycle involved. But uh, anyway, they're, I'm trying to wait. Okay, this person's going to let me go. I think they were next, but they let me go, so I'll go. The uh, guys that go up and down 16th Street Mall riding their bicycles, Mark found one of them who had a hat on. And so I, I'm assuming, because I, I had to get a camera ready and I wasn't privy to the whole conversation, assume that he said, hey, why don't we change hats? All I know is by the time I start filming, Mark's taking his shirt off. And the guy with the, I'm going to call it rickshaw, for lack of a better term, is taking his shirt off. And two things about this story. A, uh, based on the tattoos the guy had on himself, uh, no judgment for me, but I'm guessing he had probably never worn a Campus Crusade for Christ t-shirt before. And he was wearing it after. Secondly, just the, the funny thing is, I'm not sure who got the worst end of that deal, because... Uh, the rickshaw driver, you know, going up and down, he was probably sweating pretty good on this 75, 80 degree day. Mark had been in that shirt for the better part of 24 hours. And when I think of all the stuff that he did that we went through, again, I'm not sure who came off the worst on the shirt trade. But man, once again, kudos to Mark for just being willing to do that at all. I've got a bit of a break here, and then I'm going to give you my final thoughts on Questable. All right, I'm back. And while I was away for a second, I actually found some news that's going to be very wonderful to round out the last story I have to tell, assuming I ever finish talking about Questable. And so I need to get back to Parker. Okay, I know how to do that. So I was telling you all about Questable, and I'm down to the 10th story, which is just kind of wrapping up. We, uh, we went all over creation and finished out the 16th Street Mall. We are all exhausted. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I think the garlic challenge took a lot out of us. And I noticed it, and, and, noticed, and uh, it, it was striking how much it took out of us uh, as, as a team because what was really remarkable is how well we worked together. Um, Tim, Mark, Stephen, Jonathan, you guys are the best teammates 
you were truly fantastic. And I knew that Jonathan almost certainly would be. I mean, everybody has, has their stuff. And, you know, like I said, I could have shown up with a terrible attitude and fortunately did not. I'd never met Tim, Mark, or Steven. And to spend 24 hours basically up the nose of four other guys, four other people, like we did, you know, there are people that I can't be around for 30 seconds without being annoyed. And there's people that can't be around me for 30 seconds without them being annoyed. And I know that. And for all I knew, one or more of these guys would be that kind of person. And we got along so well. The the 24 hours, even though I was an hour late, by the time we got back to Jonathan's, it was pretty much a full day. 24 hours we spent together, there were no serious arguments. There were no serious disagreements. Nobody got really upset with anybody or stopped talking to anybody. You know, there were times where we were confused. There were times where one or more of us were frustrated. But it was a fantastic, fantastic team. And I would jump into a 24-hour challenge with any or all of them again in a heartbeat, especially since a week has gone by and I'm a little recovered. Um, If it's the same team next year, absolutely I'm in. And hopefully the other four guys would say the same about me. And uh, it was just the garlic challenge... We probably would have been wise not to do that near the end when we had so little left because the only time the team sort of unraveled a little bit was after that challenge. Uh, We had a quarter-mile walk just to get to the end of the road because we had to park a ways away from uh, Friends Park, some park on Spear. Um, But we we did make the walk. We did survive. And it was a fantastic 24 hours. I cannot speak highly enough of my teammates and hopefully I did them proud in being willing to to jump in uh, so Questival man what a heck of an experience if any of what I've been saying is even sort of interesting watch the video and if you like what you're seeing uh, Questival.com the Codopaxi people there I said it one more time they put on a fantastic event and if ours was representative of the whole they do this in a fantastic way around the country and uh, I'm in for next year I'm hoping that uh, Tiffany will also be free. We'll get somebody to watch Isaac and, uh, and do this again. And there were, there were some teams that didn't win. They didn't get any points. I'm assuming the zero-point teams, there were 30 or 40 of those, probably just couldn't get registered at all. There were a number of teams, 10 to 20, that only got one point. Maybe you get a point for registering, and then they couldn't do anything else. And there were plenty of teams... Uh, our team, we, we ended up in 39th place out of 717, which top 5%, depending on how you massage the math. That's pretty darn good. Um, and we got 600 points. The top 10 teams was like 750, 735, something like that. There were teams that only got 20, 30 points, 100 points. And I'm sure there were teams that were like, you know, hey, let's do a challenge. Oh, wait, you know, shoe shopping on 16th Street. If they were having fun... God bless him. There's nothing wrong with that. And one of my teammates at the end of the experience was talking about, man, next year we get a list of challenges. We figure out the challenges ahead of time. We're always doing, you know, basically always running, I think will be the motto of the team he wants to be on next year. And that is fantastic. I will root for them and watch their progress. And the last thing I want is to be on an always running team because it took all I had to be on a walking, occasionally jogging team like I was. But man, do Questival. If it sounds like fun, it is. Pick teammates carefully because that is what made the experience. Not whether or not I got any sleep, not what challenges we did, or even how good the weather was, although the weather was fantastic. It's the people you do it with. And I lucked out because I had some of the best people ever to do that challenge. So, kudos.
Now then, I have one more story to round out the podcast. Because if you've been keeping track, I said there were three shoots recently. The last three I did where I was tapping my foot and wishing I could get on with it. One was to get over to do puppet showing for VBS. That was last night. One was to race downtown and be part of Questival. That was last Friday. And then there was Monday night. And, oh, I'm really glad I checked my phone uh, during the break because I would have been, I, I get to put an end on this, the story I'm about to tell. So, roughly a year ago, um, I was really pushing the stand-up comedy thing and... You might remember, because I certainly talked about it at the time, um, the New Faces contest had really high expectations, didn't go so great. Um, I realized around that time that I wasn't having fun anymore, and I'm pretty sure it's completely on me, like 100% of it on me that I wasn't having fun, because I'm the one that put expectations on myself, nobody else did. I'm the one that started, you know, thinking I had to achieve certain goals and hit certain marks, and so... New Faces wasn't great, and then I did an open mic afterwards, figured, oh, I'll just try some old material that always works, and it didn't work, and I think the reason why, in both cases, I didn't have such a good time is because I literally wasn't having such a good time. Um, audiences know if the comic is not sure of themselves, if there's a lack of confidence, if the comic's not having fun, how can the audience expect to have fun? They don't. So I let myself say, all right, I'm putting this down, and I'm proud that I did that, and outside of hosting... Uh, the talent show at Waterstone, um, St. Patrick's Day, and then an opportunity I got a couple Sundays ago to do a little thing at, um, up front on Sunday morning. Haven't been on stage. But last August, as I thought about it, it's like, what would I really want to do? And I realized what I really would like to do would be some more improv. Um, again, there's probably a full podcast episode, maybe several, talking about my improv experience. Just in a nutshell, um, I went from watching and loving Whose Line Is It Anyway and seeing shows at the Impulse Theater. Again, thank you, Jonathan Fast, for introducing that to my life. When I talk about him being the one who has experiences, I didn't know about the Impulse Theater before Jonathan. Um, Went from that to being in a group that anybody could join, the Wesley Players at St. Luke's United Methodist, uh, Jenna Wilcox directing, and Danny McIntosh and Doug and... And Megan and just I, I'm not even remembering everybody, but gosh, you guys were fun to play with. Brian um, had a great time. Jeff Cohn joined us, and then after three years of that, when I lost my TV station job and had 30 hours a week to do something with, I auditioned at Impulse Theater. Didn't make it. Auditioned at Bovine and did get on a team at Bovine Metropolis, and that led to running lights and sound for Bovine as well as being on Platypus Surprise. I uh, got to do Denver's Next Improv Star, got to do Smile Train, was heavily in improv for a while for me. I mean, there's people that are on like two or three teams. I was never on more than one at a time, but that was heavy for me, um, unless you count the, the drop-in group at St. Luke's. And then improv led to stand-up, and improv kind of faded away. And the last improv I did was about three years ago with the team I was on at the time, Out of the Basement. So last August, I decided what I'd really like to do was improv. And I asked Emily Coates, I'm name dropping all over the place, boom! Uh, asked Emily Coates, my friend, an improver, if she knew of anybody. And she suggested third kind. Because they don't do long form, they don't do short form, they do a third kind. And I said, great! And I contacted third kind and they said, we'll let you know the next time we have auditions. The last ones were a week ago. I was like, ah, I missed it! And I was upset about that, but I let it go. They said they might have auditions in January. January came, January went, so they did not have auditions, but they did have auditions in May. 
as in this past Monday. And I got the I got the word about two weeks ago and said, hey, we're having auditions. They're at 7 o'clock. And I'm like, well, of course they are. I have to film at 7. Is there any chance I could make it by about 8, 8.15? And they're like, yeah, auditions will go to 9, no problem. So here it was, 8 o'clock on Monday, and the 7th and 8th grade car was still going, and they finally finished at about 8.15, and I hopped on my Harley and very legally and sedately drove crazily over to the... Uh, the church on Cayley Street, where Third Kind performs, and I got to have an audition. And uh, it was it was interesting. If I had been doing improv regularly, I would have looked at that audition and said, "Man, not my best work." And it wasn't my best work. I was rusty, but I hadn't done any improv at all besides just what I do regularly in life for about three years. And so, as much as I, I do try to yes and and make yes ending a thing. Um, Still, you know, it's uh, it's not always easy to just jump into stuff like that. And the audition itself, I was late. Again, I hate being late. I knew they would wait for me. I knew that, you know, the audition would still be there, but I hate being late. Um, and when I got there, three auditioners were currently doing their thing. And uh, I quietly handed over my uh, acting resume and uh, filled out a couple questions. And then I got to join the three that were already there. And, and I don't know how many people auditioned. I don't know how many slots they had open. Because by the time I showed up, there could have been a hundred before me. Um, and maybe they were only looking to fill one. I have no idea. I didn't ask. wasn't my business. But uh, I got to... We did a, a game wherein there's two people. And you go back and forth naming things. The audience comes up with a location, say, janitor's closet. And you just name things. And if you hesitate too long or if you name something that's already been said, you're out. Just a simple game. And, uh, oh, there was a janitor's closet. There was a doctor's office. Um, I wasn't, I didn't do really great at the fast thinking, which usually is a strength for me. Um, but I did get some laughs. Um, I kept bringing Iron Man into it just because why not? And, uh, and the, the room laughed, and then that was fun. We did a three-line scene game where, a per, again, two people, and person A comes up with a line out of nowhere. Person B, yes, ands it. You know, it says, you know, uh, agrees with the line and builds on it, and then person C, or no, not C, but A, it's A-B-A. Person A finishes off the scene. Uh, so, for example, if I said to you, is Darth Vader really your father? You might say... Yes, and he also taught me to use a lightsaber or something. And I would say, that's why you're so good at using a lightsaber. Basically, it's a terrible example, but an example of the uh, three-line scene. And I, the first one I started that I had control over, I threw my uh, Quasimodo impression out there because that's one of my go-tos. Anyone who's done improv with me has seen my Quasimodo, um, where I talk to the other person, make them Esmeralda. And uh, it's just a way I can be goofy and show... Uh, I wasn't... I was trying not to think too much. I really wanted to be just in my body and not in my head. And so the whole evening as I was filming, as I knew the audition was coming up, I didn't even have to try really hard. I was not focused on the audition. I wasn't thinking, oh, what games are we going to play? What are we going to do? I wasn't giving myself practice scenarios. I was about as unwarmed up as a person could be. But... Much like on the way to Questival, where I was like, I'm just open for anything. I'm ready to do whatever. 
uh, in much the same way I was ready in this case to do whatever that if, you know, just not be in my head and thinking, what should I do, but rather just be in my body and just go with it. And so I did, since I had the opportunity to run that scene how I wanted to, um, I threw out the uh, the Esmeralda thing. I'm like, hey, you know, this will be goofy, it'll be funny, and, uh, you know, we'll do this. But for the most part, I was really trying to just yes and, let, let others react, not do teaching scenes. That's a, um, I, I, a habit I want to break that uh, was pointed out to me uh, during Denver's Next Improv Star, that I go into a scene and I make myself a doctor, I make myself a pilot, I make myself a person of control, and that's, it's not illegal in improv, but it indicates a lack of confidence in one's self and in one's teammates, that I have to have some control over the scene, and, you know, that I, I rather than coming in as, you know, if this person is a piloting student, so am I, and what's our instructor going to be like, or what have you. Anyway, uh, I know I'm rambling now, but I just, I just got some news, and I'm really excited. <laughs> anyway, oh, we did three-person scenes, and then uh, we did freestag. They let the other three go, because it was late, and the rest of the Third Kind team got up, and I was, I stayed, you know, it was like finishing out my audition, and we did freestag which is a game I adore. I love freeze tag. The way it works is two people start a scene doing, you know, what have you. Uh, You get perhaps a suggestion from the audience as to uh, something a person is doing, and they start doing it. And anyway, one of the people that's not currently in the scene shouts, freeze, the two people freeze, and the person who's not in the scene taps one of them on the shoulder, takes the exact position they had, starts a completely new scene. So where you might have two people pumping up and down on one of those old rail-type cars, you know, that... uh, have handles on either end to go down the rails and you freeze and you take the position of the person who was bent over low pumping and you say man will you help me time both shoelaces at once or something again terrible example I'm on the road but you get the idea so we played freeze tag where I got to be in or I was out uh, you know I wasn't complete I wasn't on stage the whole time just jumping in for for games and then they stopped that after a couple minutes said okay now we're going to play Will freeze. I, they may have called it something else, but the basic basic uh, premise was I was out there the whole time. I was on stage, and I was working with somebody else. Somebody on the outside would shout freeze, come in and tap whoever wasn't me, and we would continue. So the freeze gauntlet, if you will, because while I'm not starting any of the scenes except maybe the, the first one, um, I have to be ready to yes and whatever. And... I have no idea. I may ask. Um, We'll get to that in a moment. I have no idea if they did that as sort of an advanced, let's see what he's capable of, or if they would have done that with anybody in the situation where we only have one person auditioning and we need to get through this. I don't know. But what I do know is that I get to ask because I'm really, really chuffed about this. I just, when I stopped at uh, Berry Blends to get a smoothie a moment ago, checked my email, and I had an email from Third Kind, and I made the audition. I passed. Um, I don't know how many people they took. I don't know how many people auditioned. But you know that feeling when you're chosen? They chose me. They would like me to be part of the team. And I absolutely will accept. And uh, I'm just really, really happy about that. And I'm glad to share it with you. Because if you're listening this far, you're probably somebody who likes it when I'm happy. Um, I'm just assuming you're, you're not an enemy. <laughs> 
And so, um, just to recap this whole mad podcast as I've been on the road here, and thank you for joining me on the road. Um, last night, I had to rush away from a shoot in order to help out creating uh, a puppet video for VBS and do a couple voices, and that was great. Last Friday, I had to rush away from Castle Rock to join my teammates in a 24-hour scavenger hunt, and that was a fantastic once-in-a-lifetime experience that I hope to repeat next year. And this past Monday, I had to rush away from uh, Highlands Ranch, from the Castle Rock area, so that I could show up late for an audition. And I'm happy to say that was a great experience, too, and this one is just the beginning of uh, who knows what. But I get to do improv again. And so, I, I definitely, I give you my word, gentle podcast listeners, I will put the uh, the rest of the kid on this podcast. And I do plan for the next couple chapters to be in two weeks. I might also have some improv stories to tell before we get to the, uh, the reading. Because I'm on a team again. So, started off the podcast saying that this was a heck of a week. And uh, I hope you are having a heck of a week, too. I want to encourage you. What do you really love? What do you really want to do? Are you working on getting there? Because by thunder, if you're not owning your stage, there's got to be a reason for it. So, hey, own your stage, all right? Because then you get to smile ear from ear sometimes like I'm doing right now. Uh, I'm going to get off the uh, the mic here, but, yeah, it's a good day. God is good. I hope you know that. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks.